I think sometimes as a business owner, as a practice manager, there's an unfair amount of burden that you place on yourself. Like if I'm going to be the person in charge, I have to know every aspect of every single thing. And I think that that's unfair. That's unfair to you as a manager to have to put all of those things in your hat at one time. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David Liss, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPaws Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Welcome, welcome back again, Positive Leaders. We are so, so excited to be back with you again. Andrea and I are really excited to welcome William Lindis. William is the Director of Operations at IT Guru. Welcome, William. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, William. Yay. Yay. Thanks for having me. Blast. I'm I'm excited for it. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited to have you here too. Hey, so we do not read stuffy bios on the Positive Leadership Podcast. So tell us about yourself, background, what you're up to, just let it rip. All right. Uh, so like you mentioned, uh, my name is William Lindis, uh, Director of Operations for IT Guru. My job is to help veterinary practices with their information technology from a security, a strategy, and an overall stability perspective. My job is to work with a bunch of really, really, really talented tech geeks to make sure that the veterinarians that we service are going to be able to spend less time banging their heads on the desk, trying to figure out why their computer's not working, why their Wi-Fi is down, and spending more time treating pets and working with the uh, pet owners. Other than that, I had a decade of digital marketing in the veterinary space background before doing um, IT. And before that, project management. I live here in Austin, Texas. I've got some pretty darned amazing dogs. Leo, long walks on the beach, that sort of stuff. Uh, I guess that's the bio. Yeah. The beach in Austin? That's awesome. Mm. Well, you know. Oh, you guys I, have that lake there, I guess, huh? We have Lake Austin. We have Lake yeah. Travis yeah. here in Austin. So yeah. technically we have that, but yeah. 
It's like uh, oceanfront property in Arizona. I don't yeah, know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to sell us? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, so Will, do you have a favorite book or podcast or CE or course that you've come across recently that's left a lasting impression or effect on you? Absolutely. One that I remember getting into when I was first becoming a leader uh, within my own career is this book by Marshall Goldsmith called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And so whenever I think about leadership, I, I think about this book because it's really about how as a leader, you probably at one point were a successful producer. And as a successful producer, there were certain positive traits like perfectionism that were the things that got you noticed, that made you head of the class, top of the charts, whatever it was. But as you move up into a leadership role, those same positive traits can actually become toxic when applied the exact same way. So it's the idea about as a leader, you have to learn how to let things go a little bit, how to let other people innovate and produce on their own. It really taught me a lot about how to manage other people by letting them thrive instead of holding them to exactly my own standards, right? Like everyone has to grow on their own. Very interesting. It's always uh, nice to hear what everyone else has on their nightstand, you know, or whatever else they're reading (laughs) or like, you know, whatever geeks them out. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, thank you for sharing. So Will, why IT, cybersecurity? I mean, that's your jam. So what got you there? And then what got you here? Because that is like then crossing over into vet med, like give us that story. Yeah. Okay. So the story of what got me here and got me into IT You know, it goes back to, honestly, it goes back to several years ago, 15 years ago, uh, way back when a friend of mine was, I was doing project management in the automobile finance world. That was my kind of getting off the ground, learning how to um, be kind of a, a baby project manager. And a friend of mine was working in digital marketing in the veterinary space. Uh, Jean Pelletier, she worked for a marketing agency that was vet specific. And she was also a vet partners member, uh, which is kind of important. For yeah, very as well. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I started working. I spent 10 years doing veterinary marketing, working on getting websites, social media, et cetera. But as I made the shift in my career, I found IT Guru and found Joe Axney, another vet partners yeah. member. Who yeah. I, was I know Joe. Intro- He's been on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was introduced to Joe through Robin Brogdon, who... So it's this like little combination of people. So vet partners has woven its way all the way through my career. Right, tends to do that. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a great organization. Dave and I are both members. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. sure. And then what got me into the security side of things itself is, look, IT is one of those things that's you know it's sort of an unsung hero in the veterinary, right? Every piece of equipment used for treatment, for diagnostics, the practice management software patient records, phone systems, billing, internal communications, SOPs, all of that stuff has to live on your technology somewhere. And the truth of the matter is, is that as practice managers, as business owners, it's also the thing that feels like a necessary evil the most of the time, because you didn't necessarily get into this industry to spend a bunch of time staring in a network closet or spend a bunch of time like researching why does my computer not work? <laughs> You're spending that time because you want to help the pets and you right. want to help connect with those pet owners. So knowing that that infrastructure is so important really drew me into the IT space. And then for cybersecurity, the big part of it 
I feel like cybersecurity just gets overlooked so often. It's confusing. It's scary. There's so many different things. And I think it's really easy as a business owner sometimes just to say, well, you know what? I haven't gotten hit yet, so I probably won't get hit. Therefore, I'll just ignore it and hope nothing happens to me. And unfortunately, that's not the way things work. You know, like you can't just cross your fingers and hope that you won't become the victim of a ransomware attack. You have to protect mm-hmm. yourself. So mm-hmm. that's why cybersecurity, it's so overlooked and it's so underrepresented, but it's so mm-hmm. vital. I mean, it's it's great that you transitioned into the importance of cybersecurity because that's kind of where I sit. I mean, let's talk about this. Phishing, quishing, ransomware, rats, antivirus, like it's its whole thing underneath, like you've got IT and then you mentioned network and then you've got this and that, all this other stuff. Before you talk to us a little bit about those things and what the hell cybersecurity even is, how the heck are we as managers supposed to keep up with all this stuff? The world is moving at such a fast pace. When I see email that pops up that says, your your computer's been hacked. How am I supposed to know you don't click on that, right? So how do we even keep up with this stuff right, to keep, right. as you said, our data secure, our clients secure, you know, the hospital running, all those kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately one of those things where I feel like sometimes we unfairly expect practice managers, business owners to have to know every single thing forward and backward to be able to run their businesses. And Along with that, I think sometimes as a business owner, as a practice manager, there's an unfair amount of burden that you place on yourself. Like if I'm going to be the person in charge, I have to know every aspect of every single thing. And I think that that's unfair. That's unfair to you as a manager to have to put all of those things in your hat at one time. So the best ways to really keep up with all of these different terms, of course, there's education. There are at every single different session that you go to, every single conference, every single veterinary publication, there's an article, there's a webinar, there's a track, there's something that pertains to technology. So I strongly encourage, I know you're there to get your CE in a lot of different things, but look at those technology tracks and see if you can glean a few things, but go into them realistically. You don't need to come out of them saying, all right, I can now do IT. That's unfair. That would be like if I were to walk in and sit through a one-hour session on TPLOs to then take a a knife and go into the back room (laughs) and you trust me to do it. Don't trust me to do that. That one hour was not enough. I really, really, really think that practice managers should not feel as though if they don't have every piece of knowledge, they're failing. What you need to know is learn what some of the terms are. Learn enough to be dangerous. You know, learn some key definitions learn what some of the threats are, and most importantly, then learn who you can leverage to help become the subject matter experts on those things so that they can keep you safe. Yeah, I think we get into trouble when we know just enough to be dangerous, right? Like you said, we we watched the, went to, attended a video or or attended a a lecture on TPLOs and now now we're board of surgeons, right? It doesn't work that way. We know just enough to be dangerous to go into our own practices and figure out something IT related and then go, oh, yeah, that, that class worked. I can do my own IT. And Lord have mercy. Let me tell you, after your last lecture I heard, no. Get your subject matter expert. Like, find out who that is and call them, right? No way. So yeah. let's talk about that. Let's dig into a couple different common mistakes that we make as, I, I will say, managers. 
um, but just anybody in veterinary practices, what mistakes do we make with IT or cybersecurity or any other of those things that get practices into some hot water? What should we stop doing tomorrow? There's a few things you should stop doing tomorrow, and, and I could go on about this for an hour or so, off, but I'll keep it to the, the highlight. The big thing that I'm seeing right now and that I would really, really strongly encourage people to do is to get rid of personal email in the business world. What you really want to have is domain-based email. And so what does that mean? Have you ever- So no more like, SusieSunshine at gmail.com? No more SusieSunshine <laughs> at, G- oh, at gmail.com. Get rid of the Hotmail. Get rid of the Yahoo. Instead, you should be Dr. Jane Smith at abcvet.com or staff at abcvet.com, reception1 at abcvet.com. You can do it by name, you can do it by functionary, but the important thing is that domain aspect. And there's a few reasons. Obviously, the professionalism part, right? You know, outside of everything else, it's hard to hire right now. It's hard to retain staff. And if you're sitting there with like a, I don't know, hotdoc420 at yahoo.com, you're not going to look very professional for those candidates coming through the door, right? So from a professionalism perspective, get on that domain email. But beyond that, domain-based email lets you put a bunch of protections in place. We can put anti-phishing tools, spam filtering, collaborative management, and even employee deactivation safeguarding in place on this domain-based email. So in other words, instead of just, I have to trust you to be 100% safe and you to be 100% safe and you to be 100% safe, I can put this net on the entire user base so that if one person sees like a phishing attempt, they can block it for everyone else and protect everyone. If an employee leaves, instead of hoping that you get the information back, you can deactivate them before they can make any changes. So I'm a huge fan of this, especially since phishing is such a huge vector for attack right now. Big, big, big fan yeah. of domain-based email as okay. one of those big good, things. good. Switching gears a little bit from mistakes to you kind of already started to touch on some things that we can do differently. Said maybe a different way, what are some things that hospitals should be doing to prevent ransomware hacks or other kind of treacherous IT mishaps? You mentioned domain-based emails. Like, What are some things that you would say that every practice needs to do right now that the practice manager could do, not necessarily the IT consultant, right? Because I don't know how to set up a domain-based email, but there are things that probably tomorrow morning, I walk in, I'm trying to think of an example, like computers that are operating externally to the, you know, these random iPads that are floating around, not on a network. Not every computer has antivirus or, you know, whatever, like what are a couple of things you should say tomorrow morning, this manager should do these things. And that is within their control to just get done. So the first and foremost things that you can do right away I think you can start getting 2FA rolled out on anything that you can protect, two-factor authentication. So right now, it's really easy for for someone who accesses your credentials to learn your login, to learn your password, to then be able to get access to your information. Two-factor authentication is basically this extra platform outside of it, sometimes through text message, though I don't recommend text message. Uh, more, I prefer like a, like an authenticator app on your mobile device, something along those lines. It pushes like a little six-digit code that refreshes every 30 seconds that you have to also enter in, in addition to that username and password. If you start putting those in place in some key areas, you're already going to reduce your threat footprint. Not entirely, but it's something that you can do to help move that needle. 
I'd also recommend very strongly getting away from this mentality of, I have antivirus, therefore I'm safe. One thing that you can do right now is to start dispelling yourself of the notion that the bare minimum will keep me 100% safe. Even the most protected, secure businesses in the entire world are never 100% safe. No one is 100% safe. You're just moving up the baseline. You're moving up the floor as best as possible so that you are not the easy target. So with this, I would say you should start having those conversations tomorrow or the next day with someone who understands what next-gen antivirus looks like. For example, right now, people out there have WebRoot installed as their protection. Five years ago, WebRoot was perfectly fine. It was a great tool. It was a great antivirus tool. But there have been a lot of penetration tests uh, used uh, on networks protected only by WebRoot, and it's been able to just like, you know, some of the more sophisticated programs can just dance right around WebRoot. So WebRoot's no longer a good solution. So we've, as an industry, had to move on the cybersecurity side of things away from just using what used to work and move towards what works now. So look for next-gen antivirus. And if you're not sure what that is, start talking to people about those things. Start talking about how do I protect myself? Yeah, what can you do tomorrow? Get those two FAs in place. Start having conversations uh, with someone about domain-based email, about next-gen AV, and get those dang sticky notes off your computers. Get those. Oh, you mean the uh, IDEX one, two, three? IDEX one, two, three. If I walk into (laughs) any random veterinary hospital right now, I'm going to see IDEX one, two, three on every single computer. And we all know that that's no longer secure. That's no longer secure because everyone knows that password. Everyone knows that password. Think about it this way. Even if you trust every single person that walks in your door that you've hired, if you're using the same password as every other veterinary hospital that also has it, what's to say that someone the next town over, a disgruntled employee who knows that, you know, hey, every veterinarian uses IDEX123, they can't just start poking around at different veterinary hospitals in the area until they get a hold of someone's data. So there's a lot of like reasons why you should get the sticky notes off your computer, but that's one of the biggies. IDEX123 sticky notes, got to go. You need to have unique, safe passwords, and they need to be stored in a password vault in your brain somewhere that's not just like sitting right at the point of entry because at that yeah, point you mentioned you password vault do you have a good app or program i mean you know not instead of the good old-fashioned like write down on a spreadsheet and then you know pass the spreadsheet around like what's a good vault for for um passwords so i'm going to say all of this with the uh sort of the disclaimer of if you're listening to this particular podcast three months from now six months from now nine months from now down the line you know, so it's a moving target. Every so often, certain applications do sure, become like vulnerable. Sure, like you said with the web route. Yeah. Right. But right now, I am a big fan of like the Nord suite of things. So NordPass is a vault that allows you to create randomly generated. You just put in there what the URL is going to be, and you let it generate a random password. You can do like 32 random characters. So you never know what it is. You never, you'll never, never even know what it is. And then when you log into your vault, you can click and just directly open the thing with whatever that randomly generated password is, then connect it to your 2FA to give you an extra level of protection. But I'm a big fan of... Yeah, I would be locked out of every (laughs) electronic anything that I own. (laughs) 
out, realistically, the majority of the passwords, I don't know what they are. I don't know what the majority of my passwords are because my security does that for me through those those vaults. But they're like these massively 32 character plus things that I don't have to remember. The vault does that for me. So you mentioned earlier about having, you know, subject matter expert and having an, I'll say an IT guru, somebody who is there (laughs) that knows what they're doing and doing the higher level thinking, the boarded surgeon doing the TPLO. So can you talk a little bit about why it's worth having an IT company versus a practice manager like we always have wore that hat? You mentioned earlier, it's too many things, too many hats for us to wear. Why can't we do it all? And then why should we have an IT specialist? What are some of the benefits to that? So first of all, I think that we should ultimately dispel the notion of any single one person as the person that knows every single thing about an ear. If you are the practice manager, you don't have to be the person that knows all of it. Even I, like if you hire me, like you're not hiring me or you're not hiring necessarily Bob down the street or whoever. What you should be looking for is the framework that that cybersecurity professional utilizes. That's one of the big values. A person is fallible. They didn't study up on that one particular thing. They have a blind spot for a particular vector of attack. They've just had a rough month and haven't run some patches. A person is fallible, but a framework is sturdy. So the framework that that we utilize, for example, is built into five different sections that are pre-event versus post-event. So in the pre-event, we're learning how to identify everything that's on the network, how to protect everything that's on the network. On the post-event, if something does happen, we have tools in place to detect it quickly. That's one of those elements. Respond. How do we respond to whatever's happening? How do we recover? How do we bring your data? How do we bring you back to wholeness? How do we bring you back to safety? So what you're hiring when you're looking for an IT professional isn't necessarily, I like that person, I like that person. You're saying, does this person have a framework that is sturdy enough to protect me regardless of what the threat that comes up? And in terms of the overall value of it, it allows you as a practice manager to have a more holistic look at your business without having to spend as much time doing these things. It takes a lot of time to troubleshoot technology. And when you're running a business where you also have clients upset who are upset, the technician that called out for the day, so now you need to sort of navigate those things. You've got an HR issue, you've got a contractor coming over to do some work on the plumbing, but now you've got to deal with all of that. You shouldn't have to deal with all of that while also trying to learn why that flashing light on your firewall is blinking. Because while that flashing light on the firewall is blinking, everything's down you're not able to access anything. So you're losing business, you're losing revenue, you're pissing off clients because now you're having to reschedule them to next week or next month because you had to push them out. So as a practice manager, you need to have a good professional in place who has a good, strong, sturdy framework who can take this off of your plate and let you do the things that you do best. How do we go about interviewing that particular person? So if we're just interviewing what they're bringing to the table and not the person themselves, what are some of the things that we should be asking when we're interviewing a subject matter expert or or looking to hire somebody for IT? I would ask them what framework they use, uh, what what their technology and cybersecurity framework is. There's a lot of different frameworks out there that are valuable in different places. In fact, there's one that human healthcare uses that's actually a little different than the one that works best for even veterinary care just because of some of the difference in regulations. But 
The important thing is that there is a framework, that, that they're able to speak to it. This is how I understand your environment. This is how I protect your environment. This is how I respond to events within your environment. This is how I bring you back to wellness. They should be able to explain to you what that looks like. You also want to ask them what their overall fee structure looks like. There's sort of a few different ways that you can slice and dice these, and they're all Everyone's going to have their own different way of billing for um, uh, technical support. I'm a big fan of an all-in type method myself, because with an all-in, you're paying by what's called C, the number of protected workstations, and you get unlimited support within that. I much prefer that to sort of like a time and material style solution, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're paying by the fix, because when you're doing that, let's put it this way, as someone managing an IT team. If I am promising you unlimited support, then it behooves me to have my team respond to your stuff quickly and effectively and efficiently Mm -hmm. and to minimize noise because Mm -hmm. otherwise I'm having to staff a bunch of extra tech people. Sure. Yeah. Whereas the flip side with that hourly approach, it actually behooves me to operate more slowly because uh-huh. then I yeah. can charge you more. Charge more. Like, right. right. Yeah. Sure. So mm-hmm. that those are things that Makes go sense. into the mix. And then aside from that, just ask them about technology, like the technology that goes in place. Ask them why they chose that technology. Some mm-hmm. of that might sound like gibberish to you, and that's okay. Yeah, you don't say have... their answer is going to be yeah. a foreign language to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a great answer. Uh-huh, right. sure. The right. important sure. thing is, is not necessarily that you're able to go through each individual answer and say, ah, oh, yeah, when I've read that in this journal, it explains mm-hmm. it. But really, you want to hear their thought process. A good, you know, one of the things that I think is really strong about, like, you know, a lot of the great people in this industry is just how savvy we can be. And, you know, one of those, like, you can sniff out a BSer from a mile away type thing. You just want someone to be able to talk to you and explain their thought process through it, why they made the decisions they made, mm-hmm. build mm-hmm. that comfort level. with. Hmm. So those are some of the things to look at. Very good. That Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So this last question, <laughs> it's a little sensitive, but we're going to ask it because we like to get real here on the podcast. If I am an employee, i.e. practice manager, and I know that these things are not being done at my current practice. Maybe not like A-level suggestions, but there's there's literally, what's the word, like cybersecurity concerns. Like I log into the practice email and I see junk email coming through, phishing emails and stuff. And I know that there's risks there. Or you have like a... IDEX passwords everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like passwords <laughs> on sticky notes. Yeah, absolutely. But the owner of the business, the owner of the practice won't change it. What would be some like change management techniques you might consider coaching our listeners on, on like how to approach these conversations, how to have the like, this is why it's important. And many of our veterinary hospitals are penny pinchers, right? So why is that spend worth it? Like, how would you go down that path? You know, that's part of the answer is that if we are pinching pennies, we have to understand any expenditure, we need to be able to look for what the ROI is. What is our return on this investment? And part of it is IT is just a necessary, I don't even say necessary evil, but you know, it's just one of those necessary structures because everything else exists on its foundation. But beyond that, there's two real kind of financial implications of technology. One is the carrot and one's the stick. On the carrot perspective, technology, when implemented correctly, helps drive efficiency. So one of the things that's happening right now in the veterinary industry is it's really hard to hire and retain people. And so people are having to work smarter 
as opposed to just having to work harder. There's a lot of BBMs that I've talked to who are having to stay late every day because they're just trying to fill things in. So when you fix the technical problems that are causing, good example that I sometimes use is the reception printer is not working. So the receptionist spends all day going to the back of the lab to print out receipts. Now yes, their phones right. are ringing off the hook because right. now the receptionist is not sitting there. So the vet techs are getting on the phone and answering calls because everyone wears a bunch of hats because we're amazing in this industry. But now that the vet techs are doing that, there is a blood draw or just a pet that needs to be held for a procedure that the DVMs are coming in and doing. And so it basically creates this waterfall of inefficiency where everyone is having to do a different task than the one that they're best suited for. So with good technology, you can get people doing what they're supposed to and usually fit additional appointments in or get people out on time. That's the carrot. So there's return on investment there. But from the stick perspective, I ask people this fairly often. How, could you afford to not see patients for a whole day? Could you afford to not see patients for a Ooh. whole week? Ooh. So, <laughs> that would hurt. That, that <laughs> would hurt. That would hurt. You know? That would hurt a lot. And, there, and, and it hurts because obviously it's, it's revenue, but it's also it's patient trust. When we, have a, when we already have efficiency issues and we're having to book people out a bit, having to rebook a whole day's worth of appointments means that my calendar is probably shot for a month just trying to squeeze these people in. So when you're the victim of a ransomware attack, what happens is your system gets, you're locked out of your system and held ransom to your own data. And then you have to pay a bunch of money to get back in. And there are recovery options, but if your last backup was a week ago, well, then you've lost a week's worth of data. If it takes you two days to get back in, that's two days that you're not able to see patients because you're locked out of your data. So a good IT firm is going to be able to help reduce dramatically the amount of ransomware attacks or other type of downtime you get, meaning you stay open longer, you build more business. And also help bring you back up to wellness more quickly, even if the disaster scenario happens. So maybe you're down for half of an afternoon and you've only lost data through that morning. Much better than I don't have any of my patient records for the last two weeks. That's the stick. I can build more business from an efficiency perspective, or I can keep myself from having to pay through the nose and lose clients in case a disaster happens. So these are the conversations. Not to mention when you talk about, even if you had, you know, your backup was last week, but the backups then that don't actually work, that yes. don't, once they're to, supposed to be reinstalled, then they, they don't, they're not functional. I can't tell you how many times I've heard and seen that, okay, yeah, we do backups, great. When's the last time you've tried it to see if they actually work? And, and it's baffling that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and not even, some people don't even know where their backups are. I think it's a good idea as, you know, going back to the previous conversation about, Ask, how do I hire the right IT professional? Asking them, do you do on-site and cloud backups? And letting them describe to you what their backup process are. There's some terms. I'm going to throw them out here really quick. You know, if, if anyone wants to just, you've got your pen and paper sitting next to your podcast player right now, write these down. But they're RTO and RPO. And that's the recovery time objective and the recovery point objective. Essentially, if something happens, how long will it take for me to come back up? That's my RTO, my recovery time objective. And how much data can I afford to lose or how long is my most recent backup? That's your RPO. So 
ask your IT provider those things and make sure they give you a good answer. They should be able to give you a clear answer that meets your expectations. If they look at you and say, I don't know what those things are, probably a red flag. Yep. Excellent. Thank you. I would love for you to give our listeners a piece of advice. Biggest piece of advice that I can give is just in general, this is not a set it and forget it model. You know, we talk about this whole thing of cybersecurity. I I use the phrase, it's like a cat and mouse game. Bad guys get better. We have to become better because the bad guys are going to learn how to beat those defenses and so on and so forth. So the stuff you put into place today isn't always going to be best case scenario forever. And that's okay. Cybersecurity is not a set it and forget it model. You need someone who can monitor trends, monitor behaviors, follow a framework, make strategic recommendations. If that's you at your practice and you have that skill set, by all means. But I think for most cases, most people, you probably need to ask for help, get some support from the outside. Fantastic. Love it. Okay, great. I'm excited to ask you this question. I can only imagine your experiences and your encounters have to be with an amount of practices that you work with. So tell me about a time, and I will call it the you can't make this shit up story, where something just made your you know, jaw hit the ground and the palm hit the forehead and you just, just like, no friggin' way this just happened. Tell me your you can't make this shit up story. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can't make this shit up at all when I'm about to. I was working with a client who was in the middle of a massive remodel. Now, a little bit about this client. They're 24-7. They're open all the time. One part of the clinic is just moving, moving, moving. The other part, they're adding an expansion, construction, construction, construction. And we start working with the construction foreman because we like to be involved in all parts of it, kind of leading up to where the wires go in, which what equipment's going in which room while the construction. This particular contractor, and to be fair, this this guy was a bit of a grump, wasn't fun to work with anyways, but whatever. Our job is to maintain things and keep things going forward. He starts complaining that he's not able to access the Wi-Fi at night. He's just not able to get on the internet and search for the things that he needs to. And this was really making us scratch our heads because we then started checking in with some of the departments that were working and, and no complaints. Everyone's able to get on the internet and do what they're supposed to. So we spend a good deal of time figuring this out because like, was something wrong? Is something not right? And what we stumbled upon in all of this whole thing, as part of our protections through our firewall, we can do certain DNS filters. In other words, there are certain types of websites, let's say adult websites, that you're not allowed to access on those public networks. That's what the contractor was looking for at nights when he was on. Basically, this contractor just told on himself in terms of what is it that you're looking for? Holy well, yikes. Stuff wow. you're not supposed to. Yeah, that was a fun find. <laughs> I guess so, right? And did you tell the wow. practice owner? We ended up like working the contractor. We were almost done with them. So we would just, when the, con- when the practice owner was talking to us about it, it was just sort of like, it was just some things that were being filtered out. We didn't tell them what the sites were. but. Ooh. Sort of said, like, look, right. there's some Fantastic. things that filtered out. The firewall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wowza. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Andrea here. 
Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. There was the time that I sent out a massive schedule change. We had this sheet called Scheduled Shifts, and I left the F out. So I sent out this email saying, make sure you look at your scheduled shifts. And everyone called me up on it and said, like, well, that's a little micromanaging, huh? <laughs> Tell me about your proudest moment. As someone who's looked up to vet partners for my entire career, being asked to be the chair of the membership committee with vet partners. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our industry? I've never in my life not owned pets. If I'm helping out the people that help pets, then I'm also helping out my own pets as well. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? I'm a huge movie fan. I go to the movies, get in the dark cinema screen, and all I have to do for the next two hours is focus on whatever's happening in front of me. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? Of course I do. What you have to do is set those boundaries up, allow time for you to spend time with your family, with your friends, the things that are important to you, the things that you do your work for each day. What keeps you up at night, things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your business? The things that are out of people's control. And what gets you up and out of bed uh, to start your day? What excites you? So there's my fiance, my dogs, uh, knowing that the work that I do helps support not only our lives, but also an industry that is so important to helping the lives of animals. What color best describes you? Purple is my favorite color. I think it's just like the balance of purple. Even the wall behind me, as you guys can see, is just purple, purple, purple. And if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? I would be a dog. I, I don't know. It's like just a life full of like treats, tummy rubs, and loyal companionship. It's something I strive for now. So why not also as an animal? Awesome. Awesome. Well, Will, this has been Thank so you, much Will. fun. Thank you, Will. That was fun. That was good. On. Thank you yeah, so much. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Will, can you give our listeners a shout out to how they can find you, how they can reach you, and even IT Guru? Absolutely. So our website is itguru.vet. You can also find IT Guru on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And if you want to find me, just search for William Lindis on LinkedIn. I'm posting about industry things, as well as random cybersecurity tips, like how to avoid quishing from time to time. So follow me for those fun cyber tips. Cool. Thanks, Will. Have a great rest of your day. We appreciate you uh, coming in and hanging out with us for a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. So much fun. Thanks, Will. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. 
Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.